The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered cold-filtered, and cold-packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. U.S. Bank wants to know how you reward yourself. Because they have cards that make every day more rewarding. Are you a points order? Cashback guru? Low intro APR lover? With U.S. Bank, it's up to you. Because they have the cards to fit your lifestyle. So earn more whether you're shopping at a gas station or grocery store. Even while planning a staycation. Learn more at usbank.com slash credit card. U.S. Bank credit cards are issued by U.S. Bank National Association N.D. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. I'm Bob Ruff, host of the Truth and Justice podcast. Each season on Truth and Justice, we reinvestigate a wrongful conviction cold case. Our investigations are shared on the show in real time, and you actually participate in the investigation. Season 3 has just begun, so this is the perfect time to get on board right from the beginning of a brand new case. Search for Truth and Justice on your favorite podcast directory and start listening and participating today. Start on Episode 301, Murder on September, to join in on the investigation. Prospect Podcast, Clay Link here along with lead prospect writer James Anderson. Shout out to New Day, N-E-U-D-A-E for the song Lion Kings, song we're using as our intro this season. James, it sounds like I just smoked a pack of cigarettes. I, I didn't, but I got a raspy voice going today. I, to power I, through that. I do too. I, it's I feel weird. like I don't know uh, why. we're like... It's like the weather's changing or something. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know what it is. I mean, I did smoke multiple packs of cigarettes <laughs> over the weekend at, for a bachelor party. So, I mean, it is partly natural hey, causes. I appreciate but, you owning up on that. But, yeah, I mean, I, I haven't smoked a cigarette in multiple days, <clears throat> and I'm yeah. still feeling 
pretty rough. So hopefully we can power through. Yeah, I mean, just got to probably be routinely clearing the throat, but hopefully that's not too annoying for you. want to be touching, James, on your piece that just went up on the site today. Top 250 Dynasty League rankings. Really interesting, especially given that the Staff Keeper League 3 auction is approaching, and it's a from-scratch keeper league. Excited to see, you know, because the dynamics in a from-scratch league, and I haven't done one in years, are a lot different. These prices on these young guys getting driven up quite a bit. Yeah, I, I might kind of make my strategy up on the fly, just depending on what the, the prices is the prices are on, on the young guys. Because I, I think if I remember when we did our start-from-scratch Staff Keeper League 2, there just wasn't much potential to get a keep uh, like a keepable contract among those those kind of known quantities that were that were younger so we'll we'll see and the veterans slip a little more than they should probably yeah, yeah we'll yeah, s- we'll see how everything goes before we dive into that again top 250 dynasty league rankings we're going to be talking about just want to talk a little bit about the AL labor auction I was a part of I was really honored to be a part of it filling in for Chris Liss I'm hoping to keep him in Portugal with a win in my first year we'll see about that Kind of shocked the room by buying Jose Altuve with the first player nominated for 45. Trout was the second player nominated for 42. We'll be breaking that down a lot on the Saturday XM show, so tune in for that. But I want to talk about some of the young guys. I got Andrew Benintendi for 20, and I was texting you for a little bit, and you said you thought he'd go for higher. Well, I, I have him as a $21 player, so I don't. I, I, I mean, I don't know if he would have gone much higher, but I, I still think you got him at a good deal. And I, I think some people think that it was uh, an overpay. I just I don't really see it, just given the, the all-around production you're going to get from him. Have you seen him on the field this spring? Uh, no. Because, look, I don't want to buy too much into it. It's just kind of subjective and, you know, doesn't really offer much in terms of hard facts or anything or anything predictive but I watched him on the field so far and man he looks so good like he looks you know the power looks very real quick bat great plate coverage and now of course we're hearing that Red Sox could bat him third in that lineup to break up some of those right-handers in the the middle of that lineup what do you make of that I love that I I think you know I think batting I I would actually bat Mookie Betts second and and Xander Bogarts fourth but I think they're going to do it the other way around but I I like the idea of putting uh, Benintendi in the three hole he's I mean that's that's just setting him up for success I mean I I think he would have had success regardless of where he hit it's going to kind of come down to the what what do you get from him power and speed wise because to me the batting average is is really safe to to peg around I just I just don't really see him hitting worse than like 275 unless he's just really lucky on really unlucky on balls in play. I think in that lineup the runs and the RBI are going to be there. It's just how many homers is he going to hit? How many steals is he going to have? I I think he might be uh like a 16-16 guy this year. That that's kind of a kind of a moderate projection, I think. Uh and if he does that, I honestly think there's going to be enough there with the batting average, the runs, and the RBI for him to be well worth at 20 bucks. Yoan Moncada going for 14 to Greg Ambrosius, Mr. Wisconsin, and Scott Childs. Uh, I was a little surprised that he got pushed up that high, but the more I thought about it, I mean, Brett Laurie was released, I think, the day before. Easier path then for Moncada, and we, we saw a big premium for, for stolen base contributors throughout, so realistically that may end up being a bargain. Do you agree? 
it could be a bargain. I that's probably not how I would have allocated fourteen dollars in this league. Just it, like it could totally work out. I just I that's that's a lot of money to invest in a guy who I feel like there's a non-zero chance he just doesn't help that much at all till later in the year. So I, I probably wouldn't have done it, but I, I definitely am not surprised that he went for double digits. Joey Gallo did not go in the auction, which I thought was a bit surprising. Uh, ended up getting him with my first reserve round pick. Also got Rowdy Telez, and you know the, uh, that really surprised me too because I thought you know he's been gaining some momentum. We've heard John Gibbons say a lot of really good things, uh, but the, you know there are a lot of players, you know, prospects who were discounted a, lot, a little bit more than I, I expected. Mitch Hanniger went for like nine. Uh, do you think that's about fair for Hanniger? I mean, again, I, I wouldn't have done that. I wouldn't have really even approached nine on Hanniger, but I'm not surprised that that's what he went for. Yeah, well, let's uh, let's dive deep into your prospect uh, dynasty league rankings. And you, you I, the, I, do want, yeah. I do want to just say really quick, uh, Gallo in the reserve round to me is, is pretty crazy. I, I don't. I don't get that at all. I know that he at that price in an only. You look at some of the guys that you know. There's just a lot of guys going for a buck in here. It's like, ah, man, I I don't really get it. Like Glaber Torres for a buck, uh, Whit Merrifield, Franklin Barreto, guys like that, Chad Pinder. I mean, I know that some of those guys are, are middle infield guys, and, and Gallo isn't eligible there, but he could hit 20 home runs in 300 plate appearances this year. And it, it's, I mean, that just would not surprise me if he earned double digits, even with a, a low batting average in, a, in an AL only this year. I was a little surprised Glaber Torres went, but some, uh, some upside if, uh, if he does get the call at a relative early date, but... James, again, top 250 Dynasty League rankings. You have some qualifiers here at the beginning. Do you want to just lay those out for us before we dive into this? Yeah, the the reason that I don't spend as much time on the Dynasty League rankings as I do the prospect rankings is because there's just so many formats, and the rankings are all just so format-dependent, in my opinion. Uh, these ones, to me, are intended for true dynasty leagues like to me a true dynasty league is where 20 plus players can be kept forever or if you want to add the the contract element it's you know 15 plus keepers with minor league slots and contracts that favor young players who are rostered before their prime that's that's those are the leagues that these are intended for there you can look at them as kind of a, a reference point if you're in a like a points league or a shallow keeper league with only a few minor league spots or a deep keeper league uh, with 10 or fewer keepers and no minor league slots. You can, you can still reference these, but that's, there's going to be some things that would be different if I made these specifically for, for those types of formats. And then you also have to just factor in like, are you rebuilding? Are you contending? There's a lot of flexibility within these rankings. If, if you're on one end of the contention scale. So let's dive right into these. You are at on Twitter at RealJR Anderson if you have any questions that we do not get to, or you can comment on the article, and James will respond to you. Tier 1, no surprise up top, really. Mike Trout, number 1, then Bryce Harper, Chris Bryant, Mookie Betts, Manny Machado, Carlos Correa, Corey Seager checking in at 7, Nolan Arenado, 8, 
Clayton Kershaw, 9. Paul Goldschmidt, 10. Jose Altuve, 11. Anthony Rizzo, 12. Xander Bogarts, 13. And then 14, Trey Turner. Bogarts is an interesting case. I mean, that, that second half last year, you know, I'm a bit skeptical about him being a, a twenty a great 2017 option. I mean, I think he's like a top 50 player, but I don't know about top 30. Uh, 13 overall, are you expecting him to take a, a step forward, another step forward? We saw one last year, but uh, improve further with the power this year? I, I don't know if I'm banking on it, but I think it's absolutely possible. It would not surprise me at all if he hit – 27 28 even 30 homers this year I mean he he's still just 24 doesn't turn 25 till after this season so just kind of looking at where his power's been each season I think it's just natural to expect him to continue to develop in that area especially given the scouting report of him coming up uh you know you get you get a sneaky amount of speed with him I don't think everyone just kind of immediately thinks of him as a double digit steal guy but he's done that each of the past two years I think that the batting average is always going to be uh, very solid. He makes really good contact. He's starting to walk a bit more. I I just I feel really really confident about the all around skill set going forward. And and if he doesn't, it, it doesn't he doesn't necessarily need to be this year that he makes the the big power jump. But I do think during his prime years he's going to be a thirty homer bat at shortstop. Corey Seager over Nolan Arenado is interesting. I mean neither guy runs much at all. Uh, but Arenado, of course, with that very favorable home park, ton of homers we've seen, ton of RBI as we've seen. And Seager, uh, a far more spacious park, three years younger than Arenado. Do you just believe that much in, in the hit tool with Seager? Yeah, I think it's a combination of the the hit tool. I, I think Seager is just – such a, a more stable commodity going forward. If, if Arenado is not playing in Coors Field in a few years, I think that, that hurts true. his value. I think Colorado Rockies guys are particularly hard to rank on these lists, especially guys who could get could be on a new team in three or four years because then you're – I mean, with a guy like Arenado, it could be the difference between him being a top ten pick or him being a guy that goes in like the middle of the second round. Uh guy like DJ LeMahieu, it might be even a bigger fall off if he ever would ever leave Coors. So I think you got to factor in that we just don't know where some of these guys are going to play, are going to be playing in, in three or four years, whereas a guy like Seager, it doesn't matter where he's playing. We know he's probably going to be a Dodger for the next 10 years or so. I just I don't see how he would ever not be a Dodger given their uh, financial capabilities, but we, we've seen that it, it doesn't really matter where he plays. Yeah, this is... This is fascinating to think about. I mean, not that I think Seager, he went for 30, I believe, in in NL labor. I think even in a mixed league, an 18-team mixed league like uh, Staff 3 is, I think you can make a case that he's 30, maybe a little bit more than that in terms of dollar values. But he could go for upwards of 40 in Staff 3. A from-scratch keeper league, I could see somebody getting really, really excited about Seager. Yeah, there's yeah, the all the guys we've kind of touched on here, especially the the guys that haven't turned 25 yet. There there might be someone in the room that just is like I I want to have this guy for the next 4 years. Mm-hmm. So that wouldn't wouldn't surprise me at all. Tier 2 starting off with Francisco Lindor, followed by George Springer, 16 overall, uh 16 overall second in this tier, Freddie Freeman, 
Noah Syndergaard, Byron Buxton, Josh Donaldson, Gregory Polanco, Starling Marte, Miguel Cabrera, Madison Bumgarner, and Max Scherzer rounds out the tier. You know, this is an interesting one because you got a guy like Buxton who started to come on, but still a little unproven. A lot of speed, a lot to like there, though. Uh, and Gregory Polanco, but then a lot of veterans here, along with a guy like Lindor, Springer, but some veterans who you feel comfortable and, and confident that they're going to be able to maintain steady production for several years to come. Well, they're just elite guys that, you know, no doubt first-round picks this year, guys who have the type of skills where, you know, Miguel Cabrera, I mean, he he's going to hit over 300 probably into his into his 40s. Like, it wouldn't surprise me at all. He's just that good of a hitter. Uh, Donaldson is, is kind of interesting. He doesn't – yeah, I mean, he's got a profile. It'll, it'll be interesting to kind of see how he ages, uh, especially if he if he leaves Toronto. Uh, this is a tough tier to kind of order. I do feel pretty good about Lindor being at the top there, but I, I could see a case for moving moving anyone else in this tier around a little bit. Yeah, Polanco at 21 overall. I mean, that surprises me a bit. Of course, uh, I love the skill set with this guy. And we saw, I mean, really, I mean, he kind of broke out already last year. 22 homers, 86 RBI, but the average still lacking a little bit. We have him up at 262 in our projections in terms of average for, for our projection. You Taking the over or the under with Gregory Polanco this year? I'll take the over on that. I also think, you know, a big part of this for me was – I think the the power numbers are gonna are gonna go up uh, moving forward. To me, he's a future thirty homer bat. It's just he, it's the type of power you have to grow into. You kind of hear that that phrase of like he's gonna grow into this type of power. That's that's just really true with him. He's just a really lanky guy. Uh, it's just not gonna be there from day one. We saw him kind of make big strides in that department last year. Went from nine to twenty two homers. I think he continues to build on that this year. I want to look up his first half splits because I think last year he was yeah he was hitting 287 with 12 homers in the first half last year. Uh, really cooled off in the second half. Uh, believe that was somewhat injury related, um, but yeah, I mean I I think true talent wise he's he's more of a, a 270 275 hitter. So not a ton of big surprises in those first two tiers. We have got some interesting names here in tier three. Let's go ahead and read them off. As we get to the lower tiers, I won't read every name, but I'm going to run through this one uh, right away. Kyle Schwarber, first off in Tier 3, 26 overall. Alex Bregman, Christian Yelich, Yoan Moncada, Nomar Mazzaro, Andrew Benintendi, 31 overall. David Dahl, who's got that rib issue, which is unfortunate. Addison Russell, 33. Rugnet Odor, Will Myers, Charlie Blackman, Miguel Sano. Giancarlo Stanton, Joey Votto, Gary Sanchez, Jonathan VR, Andrew McCutcheon, Chris Sale, Tim Anderson, AJ Pollock, Corey Kluber, Trevor Story. And so, we, you know, we look at this and you see those three guys bunched up near the top, Mancata, Mazzara, Benintendi. And, you know, I know you have Mancata one on your prospect top 400, followed by Benintendi two. So this is really kind of in line with that. And then Dahl right behind him too. I mean, are these guys... I mean, how close? I mean, obviously they're very close. But did you ever think about changing this order with those with those four guys? With the was it the Mancada, Mazzara, Benintendi, Benintendi Dahl? Yeah. yeah. Uh, 
Oh yeah, I I had different iterations where I had uh, Mazar a little bit lower, Dahl a little bit lower, um, but I just I, I think you know David Dahl to me is a guy that's that's going to be in Coors for the next five years or so. I, I don't see much reason to downgrade him because of any uncertainty about where he's playing at least out out as far as I would really care about on, on a ranking like this uh love the you know five five category potential with him Mizara you know the age performance last year I mean everything just screams potential you know future top 20 pick with him He's being undervalued in single season leagues quite a bit. Yeah, I I don't think he was undervalued in labor. I think seventeen was a bit more than I thought he'd go for in labor. But I think in in non expert leagues he's he's being undervalued quite a bit. I could see a case for putting Mancata or Benintendi up in the the tier above. Honestly, I, I same thing with Alex Bregman, Kyle Schwarber. But uh, you know you gotta you gotta kind of reward the guys that have done it before at some point. Yeah, I agree with you there. Jonathan VR mentioned him at 41. I know a lot of people, you know, the the stolen base is very good. Just that level of performance last year really across the board surprised a lot of people. I know a lot of people are pegging him as a, a big regression candidate, and I think some has to be factored in, but you rest to what, and the, that what is still pretty darn valuable. You expecting him to be a, a good and valuable fantasy asset for many years to come. VR? Yeah. Uh, I'm I'm not sure about anything with him. I I just don't think he's a great real life baseball player, and so those those are often the hardest guys to rank. I, yeah. I one especially guy especially long term. Yeah, one guy years. commented wondering where Yasmani Tomas was on this list, and it's just like I I get it. Like I, I get no, why I you would wonder that given his age and what he did offensively last year, but he's just such a bad defender that as long as he's in the NL and as long as his front office is is pretty smart and progressive, which it is now. And they're not tied to have signed him. Like I, I can't project what his playing time is going to look like. Uh, VR, obviously, on this Brewers team for the next two or three years, I think playing time is going to be there for sure. But to me, he's more of a, a two fifty five ish hitter. And I, you know, if they get a better option at second base, like say Isan Diaz, or you know, maybe they have Lu- Lucas Urseg over at third, and maybe maybe VR is on a different team at that point. I, I, I don't know. It's, it's kind of uncertain, but just the, the here and now value uh, over the next two or three years was enough to get him in this tier. A little surprised to see. Well, I know you were big on Tim Anderson going to last season, but I'm still a little surprised to see him over Trevor Story. Uh, not far apart, but just a little bit ahead of him. Is that really kind of given the landscape of the game where we see a lot more power across, this, across the league while speed is still on the decline? Uh, you know, his age, uh, the, the power speed combination. I mean, he's not a 25 homer guy, but I think he'll, he'll get to 15, 18 homers. The speed's going to be there for a while. I think he's going to play shortstop with, for them for a while. So I, I, there's enough, there's enough there to, to put him comfortably in this tier for me. Yeah. I was in labor following a similar path to what I did in a, in a league a couple weeks earlier. And in the previous auction, I'd bought Tim Anderson, but at 23, I just felt, you know, there's a lot of risk. That's what I paid for him in an AL only. A lot of risk. I mean, I think he's going to be useful for fantasy. I mean, he's got that carrying skill and opportunity, which is, you know, opportunity really is the prevailing force for fantasy value. 
I just wanted to get a more sure stolen base commodity so I didn't have to chase those middle-tier guys kind of like Anderson. But I think he's going to be fine this year as a as a solid AL-only shortstop. Tier 4, Edwin Encarnacion leads this tier, followed by Robinson Cano, Kyle Seeger. Again, not going to run down this entire list, but a lot of veterans in here mixed in with a guy like Julio Urias at 60. And you got Wilson Contreras, 65. Uh... Jacob deGrom, he's looking good this spring, 68. You got Manuel Margot, 73. Javi Baez, 75. Then you got Victor Robles, 76. Eloy Jimenez, 77. And just to give an idea of the, you know where these guys rank relative, I mean, you have Carlos Martinez, John Lester, Aroldis Chapman right behind those guys. So, I mean, we may be waiting a while, but you expect them to have that great of an impact, maybe two, three years from now to, to offset the lack of, you know, entire year of playing time. I mean, a lot, a lot of this is just what, it, what are these guys values on the, on the trade market right now? That's like, a good point. Yeah. I, I couldn't, I, I couldn't take Odabel Herrera who's in tier five and offer him for Victor Robles and get a yes right now yeah. in, in most formats. And you know, you might not be able to turn Victor Robles into, say, a guy like Johnny Cueto, who's a little bit ahead of him. Although you might, it just kind of depends where each owner is on the the win curve. But that's that's the thing with these prospects is, yeah, a lot of this is what do I think they can be when they when they get to the majors. But a lot of it's just what's their value in the here and now. No, I think that's very valuable because, you know, that's what that's what owners really should want. You know, it's just it, relative to to other values in long-term keeper leagues think about it realistically and yeah think about it kind of in terms of trade value and that that'll give you a good start trying to determine values in in long-term dynasty leagues what's your level of concern with manuel margot right now because i know we've both been in on him he's been delayed he's in this classic like yeah like so classic. the guy that i'm like and doll too yeah doll to a to a much lesser extent but i've been just very vocal about how everyone should be drafting Manuel Margot, and then of course, like he's just not really playing right now. Well, they're uh, saying they're adamant that it's minor, but he's missing a lot of time. And it doesn't. That's what, yeah, that's it, what hurts. Right, it doesn't sound major. Uh, in it for like a ranking like this, it just doesn't matter at all. Um, because it like, the the first month of the season, I just, I don't really care for a ranking like this. But yeah, it's it's a bit annoying. Um, Man, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I think I, I'm not. I still think he's going at a discount relative to what I think he can do this year. Even if even if you take it down from say, I think I have him projected for 35 steals right now. Even if you took that down to 25, I still think he's going at a discount in most formats. So, uh, yeah, I, I'm still going to draft him. But damn, I'd, I'd love to see him get uh, get back on get back in back in the flow of things yeah the thing that kind of pisses me off there's the you know they're saying you know it's not serious there's no structural damage but they never send him for an mri it's like how do you know why don't you at least send him for that i realize an mri is no isn't just some completely unintrusive thing but with a player of that caliber you want to know what you're dealing with before you have him ramp up so that that's the only thing that really kind of scares me i'm still in on him but uh, I thought DVR was kind of wise. I know he was in on him in NL labor. I thought he was wise to probably bow out at the price for Manuel Margot. Tier 5, Aroldis Chapman, who I mentioned. we got some some big prospects here. And Rafael Devers, Cody Bellinger, 
Austin Meadows. You know, Bellinger I like a lot. A little surprised to see him down this far just given how high he is on your overall top 400. What's the reasoning there? Well, there's a bit of a a gap. It, you know, yeah, he's in the top 10 on the top 400. I mean, he he's he's only what, five spots behind Eloy Jimenez here, so I mean, he's not he's not too far down. Yeah. That's uh, true. I, did, I guess I just because he, he seems to be knocking at the door, whereas you know Devers seems to need some more seasoning, even though he may not be far off. Yeah, I, I like Devers more than Bellinger as a prospect, just based on the batting average. I think you can get from Devers and the uh, flexibility of of having the DH there. But uh, yeah, I mean Bellinger is a great prospect. I mean being being a prospect and being ranked in the top one hundred is is quite an accomplishment here. Yeah, and just not far outside of the top 100, you got Vlad Guerrero Jr. at 109. I love to see that. Uh, Vlad Guerrero. I need to reach back out to Bogfella, staff too, about about him. Couldn't pry him from him earlier this offseason. And then Ronald Acuna, another uh, prospect that you have very highly ranked. Uh, saw how high you had him just the other day. I think you have him like borderline top 20 or something. Oh, he's definitely in the top 20. I think he might be, I think he might be number 15. Interesting. Maybe number 16. Nick Senzel, 113, right behind Lewis Brinson. Uh, yeah, there's, there's a lot of guys here. That, you know, you can check this out for yourself, rotowire.com slash pod. Very interesting to see where these guys stack up against each other. Domingo Santana, 130. He's a player that really kind of is at a stage where he kind of needs to prove to Milwaukee, I think, that he's going to be a long-term piece of this rebuild. Having him ahead of guys like Michael Franco, Chris Davis, Carlos Gonzalez really kind of speaks to your level of trust in him, at least being a useful fantasy asset. Yeah, I I love Santana. Uh, I don't think a lot of people realize he's still just twenty four. You know, he's he's just a little bit older than a lot of these these top prospects. And he looks like forty. <laughs> he's actually, you know, when I was in Arizona this past weekend, wasn't a scouting trip by any stretch. I mean, I was I was definitely having some beers, but. Uh, Domingo hit hit two over the fence in the the first game we went to against the the Angels. Kind of a a shorter left field out there uh, in Tempe, but easy easy power. And then he just had a terrible game in in right field defensively. So a uh, couple of my friends were like, "Man, our right fielder sucks." I'm like, "You know, that's the same guy that hit the two homers earlier, right?" <laughs> um, but the yeah, more I mean, you know. Yeah, I mean, but he he's. I think he I made this comp to Derek the other day like I feel like he could kind of go on a a Nelson Cruz type of career trajectory hmm. where you know maybe takes him a, a couple of years to really get his hit his stride but I think he's a guy that could just be an annual 30 35 homer guy in, into his 30s yeah and I love the price right now I mean you mentioned the defensive the lack of defensive skills out there. Also, big, long injury history, ton of strikeouts. So there's, you know, there are warts in the game. But if you're talking about just for fantasy and him as a fantasy asset, I think he's going to play a lot, and I think he makes a lot of sense for 2017 and beyond. You got Kelvin Herrera. Good to see him top 150. I love the skills. Hopefully he's able to maintain those for, for a long period of time. There's another player here that I meant to ask you about. Oh, James Paxton, the guy right behind Herrera. 
I picked him up in labor. 16 was a steep price, especially given some of the other relative options, but I kind of was zoned in on him. I am a little worried. You know, we have our friend Jeff Zimmerman tracks spring training velocities and packs him down almost two two miles per hour, almost two ticks early on. We saw an uptick in velocity last year. Derek kind of mentioned, like, you know, before the guys get hurt, sometimes we see an uptick in velocity. It's almost like the arm is loosening up before it kind of blows out. I hope that's not the case with Paxton. What's your level of concern? I I guess I was – I mean, the, the upside's obvious with him, uh, just given the, the uptick and stuff. But I'm I'm still just – generally concerned about his ability to log a full season's worth of innings and then you throw in this this latest thing and yeah I mean I I don't I don't love his price right now I just think that there's there are a few guys kind of like like him Jarrell Cotton uh I'm trying to think who else there, there are just a few guys that are just kind of rising out of the class of arms I think they sort of belong in um, for whatever reason, and we're still in early, early-ish March, right? Like I, I'd rather. I mean, just for like this year, I'd rather grab a guy like Robert Gazelman, Dylan Bundy, Taiwan Walker. Like those guys to me don't have nearly the helium, and and they have similar upsides, so uh, similar risks too. So I, I, I think I, I don't love the price on Paxton right now, but I, I definitely understand the skills. I didn't have the choice because it was in the AL, of course. But I like a guy like Vince Velasquez more than Paxton. And given relative costs, I mean, Doug Dennis got Paxton for or got Velasquez for eight, so half of what Paxton went for. Yeah, the pitching is always where you sort of see the weird price differences in these uh, in these auctions. You know, I see a lot of like to me, Joe Musgrove at six. Uh, Dylan Bundy at eight, Eduardo Rodriguez at six. Those are the guys that I would have ideally been been buying. Um, but like you said, like you just if you if you if you're in on a guy in the moment and he ends up going for more than someone else, I mean you don't you don't still have that money when that guy's up and getting bid on. Like you kind of mm-hmm. have to just deal with the fact that uh, somebody went for a lot cheaper than you thought they were going to go go for. Yeah. And I mean, I haven't seen him here yet, but another guy I was targeting and I ended up getting that I like, especially cost-wise relative to Paxton, is Daniel Norris quite a bit. I mean, we saw his stuff tick up over the past year. And what I really like, too, is, you know, with that added velocity, finding the strike zone more and missing bats more. That's a great combo, improving the walk rate while improving the strikeout rate as well. How high are you? I mean, I haven't seen him yet, so I'd assume not quite as high as... I'm feeling right now on Norris, but what do you think of him? Uh, where did I have him? Oh yeah, I've had, I guess I've I could at, do. I've him at two eighteen. Command F. Here. Um, you're right. I, I maybe he should be a little higher. He's not really one of my guys, but I I think he obviously definitely belongs in this top two fifty. Mm. Um, I I look at him as more of kind of a like a three four. That, that gives you some strikeouts and is maybe a bit of a, a risk in the the ratios, but I mean he's he's at times in his his minor league career you look like he could be more than that and you know he's he'd really developed that that slider last year so I I think that there's there's definitely a lot of room for profit with him right now. Yeah, I think so too. The only thing that scares me with him is you know 
especially in the AL, you'll run into one of those just stacked right-handed lineups, and they'll just have a couple of really poor performances. I think overall the numbers will be useful, but uh, I have a feeling you know, a couple, a couple or maybe a handful of blow-ups may hurt the overall numbers. So Tier 5 is very long. Let's keep working our way down this list. you got Michael Conforto, 152. Still a believer there. Lucas Giolito, 165. You mentioned Robert Gazelman. You have him one spot ahead of, or you have Giolito one spot ahead of Gazelman, but uh, it's telling that there's really not much of a difference between these guys who really couldn't be more different in terms of pedigree. Yeah, man. I I actually, on the I did a, I did a few, as I was making this list, I did some tweaks to my top 400 prospect lists, and most of them were just really minor tweaks. Uh, but I ended up moving Gazelman up uh, quite a bit. I think I moved him from the 50s into the 20s on really? the, the top wow. 400 just because I couldn't – like there were prospects I was like getting ready to list on this list, and I was like, wait, like I can't say that I would take this guy over – gazelman like i think gazelman's at least a number three right now and like mm. sometimes you just don't properly like i i had i just clearly had a blind spot in terms of factoring in his proximity and and the fact that we've already seen it like lucas giolito's really close to the majors but we haven't seen it yet gazelman like we know can pitch like a number three and i think he can even pitch a little bit better than that i think he can be a, a number two and he's ready right now and he's in a really nice situation. Uh, I, I just, I, I clearly was was a little too low on him when I did the uh, top four hundred, and I, I had to had to tweak accordingly. But yeah, I mean, I, he's he's definitely a huge steal right now in drafts. Interesting. Yeah, I had no idea you'd bumped him up that high. I mean, I thought the fifties seemed fair, but yeah, I mean, he's right there. You got a guy like Matt Harvey. I mean, ton of injury questions in that rotation. But you got like Harvey, who did you see that start over the weekend? No, he looked terrible. I thought. I, I, mean, I mean, he was sitting like ninety one, ninety three, and just flat. I, I just, uh, yeah, I, I'm, I'm not touching Harvey right now. He, I don't think that enough discounts being cooked in with him at all. Uh, I mean, Stephen Matz is another guy who, like, yeah, you know, you're probably gonna get like eighty innings out of Stephen Matz. <laughs> so, like, how much longer is he a starter? Yeah, I know. I'm with you. And, you know, you keep thinking like. Well, Gazelman, you know, maybe 20 stars, maybe 20 to 25, but we could be we really could be looking at close to a full season's mm-hmm. workload for him. Move on to Tier 6, headed by Alex Colomay. Got him in labor for 14, which I thought was nice, but there is a chance he's moved. Really no question about the skills. Josh Bell was a guy whose price in labor really surprised me. He went for, I think, 19. Now, I think the guy who bought him was Derek Carty. certainly respect his opinion, but I was surprised with that just given – you know, the, the power at that position. Yeah. He's a really tough guy to evaluate. I, I just think he's a really, really good natural hitter. And I think it might take a, a year or two for him to, to start stacking up with the, the top 12, top 15 guys at that position. But just given his age, given the fact I always think he's going to give you a high batting average. I I think he, he should still be valued pretty highly. Oh, I want to get to some of these guys in the middle of this tier in a second, but a guy I'm noticing at the bottom of this tier, and I like when we disagree, you know, I I think it's probably beneficial for our listeners, uh, so we're not just agreeing all the time, but Kevin Kiermeyer is the guy I'm in on big time this year. Not that you're really down on him. I mean, this is a favorable ranking, but I, I really like, you know, the 
the fact that he gives you speed, and he has some some significant and sneaky pop. A lot of these speed guys you'll get in the outfield really won't do much else for you, end up really being a drag in a lot of the categories. I don't think Kiermaier is going to be that kind of guy, but over the next several years, do you see him just kind of settling in as a kind of defense first, splash of speed, but nothing spectacular type of guy? Yeah, I I think... I think he, I mean, he's he's kind of got a little bit of Gerardo Parra in him in that, like, what has he really proven he can do offensively to this point? Yeah, he, he turns 27 in April, so it's obviously too soon to say he can't do this, can't do that. But his career high in homers is 12. His career high in steals is 21. He's never hit better than 263. So... You know, and and the speed has probably already peaked. So I I just don't know what to. I, yeah, he was hurt last year, wasn't a full season. But you know, in two years, three years from now, what if he's stealing like twelve, fifteen bases? Maybe he never grows into twenty homer pop. Maybe he never becomes a, a trusty, uh, trustworthy, like average guy. I, I don't know. I just I don't see enough offensive punch. Um, I love the defense. You know, I, I just the other guys that are kind of ranked around there to me, Ender Inciarte, Keon Broxton, all sort of similarly risky long term in my mind, especially just because the the speed is such a big part of their games, and once they start to lose a tick there, the the value just really dries up. No, that's that's fair, and I think that's wise to point out. I, I guess you know I see that second half after he returned from injury, he was hitting for power. He's going to be batting uh, probably first or second on that team, and. Uh, the thing is, though, is, you know, a lot of times with those late-season surges, it's just hard to pinpoint a reason. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of a, a factor with him. Maybe it was just that he was healthy. Maybe it was the, you know, diluted competition. Maybe it was a wide variety of factors. I just don't really know. Maybe I'm buying in a little bit too much, but at his price, I think he's going to do enough, really, in, in all five offensive categories to be a, a plus player for you and a bargain at, at his current price. A quick note from our sponsor, Auto New. Fantasy Baseball lets you build your Fantasy Baseball dynasty the same way Major League GMs do. It's better Fantasy Baseball, auction-based, deep rosters, and the full minor leagues in the player pool. Get the next Mike Trout or Carlos Correa while they are in single A. Trade for superstars midseason to make a championship push. Develop a team over multiple years. Play against the best Fantasy Baseball competition on the internet Auto New Fantasy Baseball, that's www.ottoneu.com. Kind of like New Day, uh, New Day music. But let's move on to Tier 7. Anderson Espinoza, of course, coming over to San Diego in the Drew Pomeranz trade. Then Ryan Healy, I think he's interesting for this season. Dries Familia, 212 on this overall top 250. Tommy Joseph, 213. I think that's interesting because you have him ahead of a guy like a uh, ahead of a guy like Steven Matz, uh, some other proven major leaguers here, Mr. Dribble Carrera, Cabrera and the like. Hard to stand out at first base, but do you think Joseph will be a guy that, you know, at least as a corner in a, in a standard dynasty league can be a, a useful asset for, for a substantial period of time? I don't know, man. He he was a tough guy to rank. I, You know, he, he could hit 30 homers this year, and he's 25. I feel like that alone is is enough to get him in the top 250. I like Reese Hoskins quite a bit. But, you know, Hoskins is going to have to 
handle AAA pitching in a big way, and Joseph's probably going to have to slip a little bit for that change to happen right away. So, yeah, I don't know. I, I could see you being down on Joseph a little bit long term, but I think right now he's young enough and the, the power's there that I, I don't mind put him in, putting, putting him in there. I mean, he does look like a guy who just won a contest at fantasy camp to like <laughs> join the major league roster for a day. But I mean, the numbers pretty darn impressive. There's an, there's a guy here. I want to pick, pick on here because pick on your rank a little bit because I'm, I'm in on him this year. And that's Greg bird. I was filling out the, the USA today labor questionnaire after the auction was, and they said, you know, who do you wish you'd gun an extra dollar on? My my choice was Greg Bird. He went for eleven to Eno Saris of Fangraphs, and he really needed power at that stage of the auction. And I just felt like after he went by, I was kind of disappointed in myself for not going to twelve. I mean, he missed the entire season uh, due to injury. But what are your other concerns with Greg Bird? I just I think there's a chance he might never hit better than like two forty, two forty five. Uh, I could see him needing a platoon. I think the power is very real, especially in that park, but he's not a complete player by, by any stretch. I think he could be have a few years where he gives you 30-plus homers, but I, I could see him being a bit of a drag in batting average. You know I'm a mark for this guy because I mentioned him earlier, but Rowdy Telez, 236. We've heard John Gibbons praise him early on this season, uh, this spring. I think he could be up, but... Is he a guy? You know, he's a big hulking guy. I mean, he's probably limited to. I mean, definitely to, to first base. Probably a DH long term. Does that factor in, or is it more just some issues with strike zone management, his ability to hit for a high average? I just think it's he's a first baseman, and we haven't seen him against big league pitching yet. I mean, he's kind of where a guy like AJ Reed was a couple years ago, and that ended up not working out. So. I mean, I still like A.J. Reed. I think I like him probably about as much as Telez, but uh, he doesn't have – like, he needs to hit, and he needs to hit a lot to profile at first base. He doesn't have uh, a different way to get you value, and he can't go any further down the defensive spectrum, really. So there's it's just always kind of risky to gamble on uh, first base guys that haven't proven it against uh, AAA and, and major league pitching. I'm with you. I mean, this is an interesting top 250. Anybody that we didn't touch on that you maybe I want to just explain yourself on here? Nah, just check out the article. Uh, definitely hit me up with questions specific to like your league. If it's a if it's a league where maybe you only keep three minor leaguers and you want to know how something would be different, or if you got a trade question or something like that, I'm happy to answer those. But yeah, like I said, it it's very league dependent very uh whether or not you're contending or rebuilding dependent so um just be sure to factor all that in. real quick question before we let you go anybody who just missed the cut that you remember leaving off and be like eh, maybe i should put them on but yet ultimately let, left them off uh yeah aj reed and jose barrios mm-hmm. uh, a couple former prospects who have kind of faltered so far in their big leagues big league careers i just don't think you can get a ton for those guys in trade right now. And that, that was a big part of the reason why I left them off, but they, they easily could have made the cut. Well, we appreciate your insight as always. Thank you to new day music uh, again for our intro and outro as well. This season, we'll be back with you guys next week.
I'm Bob Ruff, host of the Truth and Justice podcast. Each season on Truth and Justice, we reinvestigate a wrongful conviction cold case. Our investigations are shared on the show in real time, and you actually participate in the investigation. Season 3 has just begun, so this is the perfect time to get on board right from the beginning of a brand new case. Search for Truth and Justice on your favorite podcast directory and start listening and participating today. Start on episode 301, Murder on September, to join in on the investigation. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.